0: this podcast is a presentation of gateway fellowship paulsville washington experience community find hope check us out at
1: gatewayfellowship.com we're in a series called truth matters and so if this is your first time here or you've not Uh, been keeping up, go back and and at least listen to the first first two weeks because really uh, build the foundation for um, these next number of weeks. when We're asking, what does the Bible say about a number of issues that that we're looking at? And we've been talking about is the absolute necessity for followers of Jesus, believers, whether you're a first time, you're one of the 13, you know, last week, or you've been in this journey for a long time, the absolute necessity that we live from a biblical worldview, always asking, what does the Bible say? So how many have heard, heard um, um, this phrase? I, I know you have, like 100% of us, right, online here. Back to the basics, right? Have you heard that? Back to the basics. You've heard it, I've heard it. You've said it, I've I've said it. And we usually say that when things get really, really muddled up, right? And um, um, maybe it gets a little confusing, we're not really sure what to do, so we talk about getting back to the basics. Well, I wanna suggest to you today that for every follower of Jesus, back to the basics actually means back to the Bible, back to the Bible asking this question over and over and over, what does the Bible say? Now our, our theme verse for this whole series comes from Psalm 25, verse five. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are God my savior and my hope is in you all day long. And As I've suggested each and every week, this is both a prayer and a commitment. So it's a prayer being lifted to God. Lead me, not in my truth, lead me in your truth and as you do, I commit to your truth in all of my life. Because here, here's what we have discovered and what we've been talking about. And uh, truth matters, right? And where you get your truth matters. Truth matters and where you get your truth matters. And there is absolute truth. So if you're getting your truth from anywhere else but the Bible, um, you're getting it on social media, that's not gonna work out very well for you. If you're getting it on the news, I can tell you that's not going to work out at all. All for you truth matters and where you get your truth matters. Therefore, back to the basics for you and for me means back to the Bible where we get our truth as followers of Jesus. The truths that the Bible put forth on which we base our lives on and live on, there are the inspired word of God. Unfortunately, I don't know if you know this, but there's been a shift away from absolute truth and we've moved the goalposts or the goalposts have, have, have been moved and redefined what truth, truth is. And so the question for you and me is like, what does it look like to get back to the basics? What's it look like to live According to the Bible and that's what we've been talking about particularly in part one and part two So that's why I say if you miss it You should go back and get it go to gateway.nk.com or gateway.nk on our YouTube channel So for the follower of Jesus It's always asking and you've heard me say it I'm going to keep on saying it's it begins with asking this very very basic question What does the Bible Say And so I've said, look, I hope that you wake up during the night with some of these phrases because I believe that they're true. So it's always asking in all of our, our life, regardless of the situation that we're facing, regardless of what life is throwing our, our way, what does the Bible say a, about this? I, re, I, I mentioned last week that, that um, my mother responded that way when I was very, very young, and I was thinking about something, I don't know, I was daydreaming or whatever, and I just asked this question to my mom, what does, is it okay to like to daydream and to think about the future? And she asked me this question, what do you think the Bible says? And so that seed was planted in my heart, in my life, very, very early on. And so we're approaching a number of, of topics um, that you and I are facing in the world today. We're doing so with, with that commitment. So what are the basics? Or um, more importantly, what does the Bible Say And so I, I've given you this chart, and it's on your little, little worksheet here as well. And this is where we begin. This is what it looks like to live from a biblical worldview. We always begin with what does the Bible say? We've been talking about that. And once we understand what the Bible says, then the question is how are my beliefs formed? Because the Bible says this, I believe this, right? So it's living from a biblical worldview. Once we understand what the Bible says, once my beliefs are formed based on the Bible, not on my feelings, right, but based on the Bible, then I ask the question, how are my values formed? Out of my beliefs, how are my values formed? And how is my behavior um, formed? So we're approaching every topic with this pattern. So we're looking at, well, what's the Bible say? You know, wh- wh- how are my beliefs formed what are they based on the Bible? What about my values and wh- what about my behavior? And we're going to do that again today as we approach a topic that you and I are facing each and every day, and it's this matter of life. It's a matter of the unborn. And I want to talk about that today. I'm, I'm passionate about it. I would just tell you that. Um, I, I pray that All of us, regardless of where we are on the spectrum, will begin with the Bible, what it says, and maybe set aside our, our feelings for just a moment, not be directed by those feelings, but allow the Bible to speak to us. We approach the topic today of life, not with the screams and shouts of people or the signs that we drive by, either for life or against life for abortion, That's not our beginning point. It can't be. I want to say that again because I think it needs to be really, really clear. We don't begin here with all the fray. We don't begin with the shouts and screams or the signs. We begin with the Bible. What does the Bible say? Our beginning point for every follower of Jesus is the Bible. We are to think biblically about all of life, whatever that is. Today's topic is an emotional one, and, and I understand that. We must be careful not to allow our feelings to dictate our actions, our, our behavior, <clears throat> or our love for people. I also acknowledge the difficulty in all of that. But as, we, as we approach today's topic and really next number of weeks we're going to do so in in three ways and i just pray that we will be able to clearly teach with this pattern and that you make it a part of your life number one we seek biblical clarity in all of life and we're going to do that again today we seek biblical clarity again asking what does the bible yeah you're with me okay what does the bible say so biblical clarity Then we stand on biblical conviction because we understand what the Bible says and we do so with biblical compassion. So biblical clarity, what does the Bible say? Biblical conviction, I base my beliefs on the Bible and biblical compassion, my behavior patterns, um, the behavior of Jesus exemplifies him. Because of today's topic, Truth matters life. I just want to um, begin with bottom line up front, right Bluff, bottom line up front. I want to say some things before we dive into um, the first part. There are followers of Jesus who decided to terminate a pregnancy and live with deep regrets, but have received the forgiveness of Jesus, and we, as individual followers of Jesus and as a faith community called Gateway extend the same forgiveness. To do anything else is to deny our own sin and need for forgiveness and would not represent our Lord who loves all and is forgiving to all who seek him. Amen. Now, there is righteous anger. When we talk about behavior, there is righteous anger. But the question then is, what's, what's righteous anger? Because sometimes, honestly, I think we use that to, to justify our anger. Well, it's just righteous anger, but is it? So what is, what is righteous anger at these things? Righteous anger is that anger which angers God, who is the creator of life, and abortion falls into that category because it takes a life. But when does righteous anger become a sin? Next question. It becomes a sin when it reflects our motives over God's and leads to unloving actions or behavior towards people. Are you with me? The anger Jesus expressed was directed at sinful behavior and injustice. I know my anger is not righteous when I drive by those carrying signs whether it's some corner or the sidewalk surrounding gateway. And ungodly feelings are directed toward people. I fight that too. When I drive by and I see a sign that says, I I thank God for abortion. Being held by a person who has given life, willing to take a life. I fight, I fight that. but I'm also helped in my feelings by the Bible. Proverbs chapter four, verse 19. The way of the wicked is is deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. So I look at people. I, I deeply desire to look at people in the way that Jesus does, as lost people. In Matthew chapter nine, the response of Jesus who is our example, he had compassion on the crowds because they didn't have a shepherd. They were sheep without a shepherd. You and I as believers are not insulated from the evil in the world. In fact, we are called to be light in this world. We must be light in this world. So we, we must learn to live biblically. We must understand what it looks like to live as Jesus did and to do so biblically. As we begin, With the Bible, we we commit to exegesis, not eisegesis. And some of us, I know, are going like, what'd you just say? Let me say it again. As we begin today, and really as we study the Bible, we commit to exegesis, not eisegesis, um, because exegesis and eisegesis are in in conflict when interpreting the Bible. Let me give a little explanation for those who, who may be wondering. Exegesis is discovering what the scripture is intended to mean. That is different than eisegesis, which is making the text mean what I want it to mean. Do you see the difference? Exegesis literally means to lead out of, so it's taking your Bible and it's it's understanding what the Bible is saying to you. It literally means to lead out of, and making application to my life. "Jesus is reading into, it literally means to lead into, and makes the text mean what I want it to mean. Mr. B with Red Pen Logic, he's, he's a guy I follow. He's an apologist. He tweeted this out this, this past week, and I'm gonna share it with you two, two times because I think it's so good. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but only believe what Jesus believes, as long as he agrees with you, then you are not following Jesus, you are following yourself. I'm gonna give it to you again, are you ready? If you only, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but only believe what Jesus believes, as long as he agrees with you, then you are not following Jesus, you are following yourself. Let me give you an example of Jesus for just a moment, how it's being used and really is a go-to scripture for some in the pro-choice movement. Numbers chapter five, verses 23 through 25 in some surrounding scriptures. Let me just share it with you for just a moment. It's a scripture that is being used and suggesting that God actually supports abortion and actually gives us kind of the the how-to. In in Numbers chapter five, If you go to the top of this section of scripture, it's a test for adultery. So if a husband felt like his wife had committed adultery, then there was a test that was to be administered to by, by the priest. <clears throat> Let me just share with you a couple of the verses. And then let me show you where some go to and read into the text to support their view on abortion. Beginning at verse number 21. Then let the priest make the woman take the oath of the curse and say to the woman, the Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people. When the Lord makes, you, makes your thigh fall away and your body swell, may this water that brings a curse pass into your bowels and make your womb swell and your thigh fall away and, and the woman shall say, amen, amen. Then the priest shall write these curses in a book and wash them off into the water of bitterness. And he shall make the woman drink the water of bitterness that brings the curse. And the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain. In the verse number 27, and when he has made her drink the water, then if she has defiled herself and has broken faith with her husband, the water that brings the curse shall enter into her, into her and cause bitter pain, and her womb shall swell, and her thigh shall fall away, and the woman shall become a curse among her people. If you're reading the NIV, and this is what happens, the NIV, I believe, wrongly, and most Bible scholars, um, it uses the word miscarriage there. You, I just read from the ESV, if you go to the NASB, and if you go to the NLT, you don't see the word miscarriage. M- miscarriage at all, you see um, what I just read to you, that the, her womb shall swell and her thigh shall fall. And those who are reading into the scripture say, well, there it is right there, there, there is God performing an abortion, therefore abortion is okay, there, therefore, and even this is how, how you do it. That is not correct, that is wrong. That's eisegesis, that's reading into the scripture what you want to happen. What do we read here and what's, what's going on? This is talking about barrenness of the womb. Um, if the woman defiled herself and did commit adultery, she would not be able to bear children. That was a shame, shameful thing. And we know that if we begin to read the whole of Scripture because the next verse says, but if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, then she'll be, she shall be free and she shall conceive children. It was a matter of bareness, and regardless, let me just, let me add this as well, that even if it was God um, causing a miscarriage, even if that were true, this is an action of God. This is not about elective abortion. So do you see the difference between exegesis and eisegesis? Okay, L- listen to Dr. Um, uh, New Testament theologian, John Byron. He- he's referring back to um, um, the-, the New Testament or the Old Testament as well. Give me children or else I die in Genesis chapter 30, verse one, and the New Testament theologian, John Byron writes this, socially, the position of the childless woman in the Hebrew Bible is ranked among the despised, the poor, the helpless, the widow, and contrasted with the mother who is blessed, joyful, and rich. In children. So it was a matter of being barren, declared barren, and not able to have to have children. We must be people, we must be people of the Bible who ask, what does the Bible say to me and how does it form my beliefs, thus my values, then my behavior? I don't read into the Bible my own desires and wants. So that's a bit of a foundation today. So let's dive into it. I'm going to talk kind of quickly here because we have some material to get through. We really begin with two questions. Number one, um, do I um, value all of life and where does life begin? Those are really the two questions that we must look at. Do I value all of life and where does life begin? So true to our pattern of living biblically, we're going to ask the question, what does the Bible say then about life? Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah 1 5. Psalm 139, perhaps a a passage that you have read and you have understood. in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. David speaks to himself as a distinct person. You, you knitted me together. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, his embroil. You saw all of that. It's a beautiful prayer of praise. Remember in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, about um, uh, Mary, This is how the Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Dr. John Davis um, writes in Evangelical Ethics, he says this, in the New Testament, the incarnation of Jesus Christ um, is a profound testimony to God's affirmation of the sanctity of prenatal life. His human history, like ours, began at conception. The significant point is that God chose to bring to to being the process of incarnation there rather than at some other point, thus affirming the significance of that starting point for human life. And then in Luke chapter 1, "'A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea "'to the town where Zechariah lived. "'She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. "'At the sound of Mary's greeting, "'Elizabeth's child leapt within her, "'and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. "'Elizabeth gave a a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, "'God has blessed you above all women.' And your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? And when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Birth moms know about that, don't you? I remember when, our, when Jen was um, pregnant with our, our two kids, I can remember like watching her, the baby, Brad and Jeff move, right? It was amazing. What does the Bible say? What do we believe based on the Bible then? We believe that life begins at conception. And by the way, medical science concurs, and we'll talk about that for just a little bit in a moment. That life begins at conception. What about my values then, when we understand that? What about my values? Number one, I value the sanctity of life from the moment of conception. God values every human life that's such, there are no accidents and there are no mistakes. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person beside you, around you, behind you. And just go like, you're not a mistake. No, you need to do that, right? You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. We value the sanctity of life from the moment of conception. There are no mistakes. I value the image of God in every human being from the moment of conception, believing every Person has a purpose and a right to life. I value the image of God. And then I value the sovereignty of God, who alone determines who lives and who dies. Only God determines the beginning and the end of life. He is the only one. So my values are formed out of my biblical belief, that life begins at conception. But what about my behavior? How is my behavior formed? My behavior toward the unborn and subsequent actions are formed by my beliefs and value and are to be Christ-like. How I treat all mankind from the moment of conception until death is to reflect Christ in all of life. I commit my life to biblical truth and compassion, and I don't allow the pressure from society, governmental pressure, or politics to form my beliefs and values. We allow the Bible to form our beliefs, our values, and our behavior. Good place, even if you're not an amen or to go like, amen, or like, that's good or something. Let me talk about science because, uh, let me say this before we get into that. <clears throat> we start in the Bible. We always start with the Bible. But you don't need the Bible to argue life at conception. Science does that. You don't. No, we do because we start with the Bible, right? You, you've seen the sign of the word science is real, Right? And I believe that science is real. You've seen the sign that that science is real, and then there's a bunch of other stuff that I actually don't believe in, probably most of it. But science science is real. And I believe that science dictates when life begins, and it does so without ambiguity, leaves no stone unturned as to the beginning of life and the stages of development in the womb. So let's talk about for just a moment. Wayne Grudem, while quoting Diane Irvine, who is a biologist... And the biochemist at Georgetown um, says this, First Grudem, alongside biblical testimony about the personhood of the unborn child, scientific evidence also indicates that the child in the womb should be considered a unique human person. And then Professor Irvine, to begin with, she's the biochemist and the biologist, to begin with, Scientifically, something very radical happens between the process of gametogenesis and fertilization. The change from a simple part of one human being, the sperm, and a simple part of another human being, the egg, which simply possesses human life, to a new genetically unique, newly existing individual, whole living human being. That is, upon fertilization, parts of human beings have been transformed into something very different from what they were before. They have been changed into a single, whole human being. During the process of fertilization, the sperm and the egg cease to exist as such, and a new human being is produced. By the way... We call this new human being a baby. Dr. Bill Moore, who friends to many of us, helps us to understand. He says this, this new genetic combination formed from one egg and one sperm is genetically unique and has the full component of human life with a DNA distinctly different from the mother and from the father. It's a human being. It's a baby. I read about a study from the University of Washington that talked about the baby in the womb. The study indicates that babies begin absorbing language while still in the womb. Sensory and brain mechanisms for hearing are developed at 30 weeks of gestational age. And the new study shows that the unborn babies are listening to their mothers talk during the last 10 weeks of pregnancy and at birth can demonstrate what they've heard. And I love this, what Patricia Cool says. She said, the mother has first dibs on influencing the child's brain. You should all be thankful for your mothers. She had first dibs. Lisa Knopf, who is our service director, she's sitting right up there. She controls everything. Tells me what to do, when to do it, all this stuff. Anyway, um, her story is, is amazing. You know her son, her and Dan's son. He was born via, emer- and I asked Lisa, can I share this? And you gave me the approval to do so. So um, their son was born by emergency C-section 10 and a half weeks early. He had to be delivered early to save my life. The uh, pregnancy-related condition I developed had me crashing quickly. Had we waited another 24 or 36 hours, I would have died. The first time we got to see him, without all the tubes and the tape on his face, I talked to him. As soon as he heard me, he opened his eyes and desperately looked around trying to find me. This, this is one of my most cherished videos from our time in NICU. And then Lisa says, that being said, I would suggest they learn earlier than just the last 10 weeks, that two pound, 13 ounce baby, born two and a half months early, knew me and recognized my voice. <laughs> Amen. Yet the calls for abortion continue and expand to abortion up to the moment of birth. This is an evil that followers of Jesus must confront and stand against. In the Old Testament we see God acting on behalf of the unborn and seeking to protect the unborn by demanding certain action. I'll just let you read it, Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 through 25. The unborn fetus or the child is viewed in this passage as just as much a human being as his mother. Whenever we talk about this subject, we've got to address the matter of, of women's rights because we hear that, don't we? But it's, it's my right. It's an important question. I'm going to give you my answer to that, my opinion. How do we approach that? Um, I'm, I am for women's rights. I'm for rights. We have rights. Do we ask a woman, a mom, to give up her right to end her pregnancy through elective abortion? The answer, I believe, is yes. Recognizing that there are two people, the mom and the unborn child. Do we ask a man, a father, to give up his rights and take responsibility for the child he fathered? Absolutely. Why? Because he is as much responsible as the mother. Is giving up rights a biblical position? Yes, I believe it is. Asking a mother to give up her right to end the life of a child is standing up for the rights of those who cannot speak and have no capacity to defend themselves. What will we do as a faith community? We must address that as well. What's our behavior as a faith community called called gateway? What will it be? I just want to give you three things and then I'm going to wrap up with um, some challenges to you or some opportunities. What will we do? Number one, we will always stand for the unborn. Always. We will continue to be a pro-life church, not a pro-birth church. We will continue partnering with local ministries who seek to support the unborn and the mothers and fathers who have chosen to keep their child. Just a couple months ago, two or three months ago, we met with our partners asking this question. Help us identify those so that Gateway can be a part of supporting them and helping them, and so we're moving forward with that. How will we do these things? With clarity, with conviction, and with compassion. That's our roadmap. Two years ago, we launched a Life, Ministries, uh, Life Matters Ministries that is directed by a team of volunteers from Gateway. Over the years, you have given funds to Life Life Matters, and we are spending your money, and we're looking for ways to spend more of it. But let me just give you some of the ways we have spent it. We purchased an Anita exam table for ultrasounds at our local pregnancy resource center. You did that. Um, We helped paint and decorate the ultrasound room. You did that. Remember when we asked you to bring in baby formula? Well, You did that even if you didn't bring in Baby Formula because we took $1,500 from Life Matters and we purchased Baby Formula that went out to moms and went to our partners, Olive Crest, for distribution. We, you, provide Mother's Day gifts for single moms through Olive Crest. We've partnered with Pregnancy Resource Center, Scarlet Road, Western Washington Center for Life, Coffee Oasis, and Olive Crest to support women choosing to keep their babies. I just mentioned that. So about $4,000 total at the Pregnancy Resource Center, $1,000 to West Sound Youth for Christ, uh, $1,200 to the Western Washington Coalition for Life. We're spending your, your money and grateful and thankful for your support because you're making a difference in the lives of children. But today I'm announcing an expansion of Life Matters, and this is where you can get involved. We're expanding Life Matters to an, an adoption scholarship program. We are looking for and soliciting funds to provide grants to those seeking to adopt. I've learned that adopting children is very, very expensive. And there are parents and there are people who want to adopt, and they're struggling with it, and we're going to help that by providing grants. It's substantial to cost. The Life Matters adoption team will develop criteria and consider grant requests, but we need to fund the adoption scholarship program. I would tell you how to do that in just a moment. We're establishing a family celebration team. You're gonna like, what is that? What's a family celebration team? When our partners came together, um, learned that there are, there are moms who are having their babies and then they bring them home and there's nobody to celebrate. Just think about that for a moment. Because when we brought our kids home, there were people to celebrate. We had other family members. You did too, likely. Um, there were baby showers when people came and celebrated, and there are those who have none of that. And so we're establishing a family celebration team. We'll do baby showers, and we will celebrate with these new moms. I will tell you how to be a part of that, if you like, in just a few moments. There are other ways um, obviously to get involved pray tonight's prayer meeting we'll be praying for the unborn and tonight at 6:30 we'll be focusing on life you can give of course to the adoption scholarship program you can give to life life matters and you can volunteer in a number of ways when you leave, you go like, okay, how do I do that? I'm going to tell you how to do that. Even if you didn't bring a sheet in with you, grab this sheet when you leave. Because at the very, very bottom, there's a QR code. If you just scan this, it will take you right to the adoption grant um, giving code. There, you can, you can give right there. Um, on the bottom, it will tell you how to volunteer. If you want to be a part of the Celebrate team, So, when we get a call of a young mom, you can do so by texting Celebrate to 360 209 8040. It's right here. So, grab the sheet on the way out and and be a part. There's also a couple other things to just wrap up with this. For further, well, I just put for further reflection, and you can text resources. The number is right there for further reflection. There's a five minute video. I would just commend to you. I've watched it by Dr. Mary Keen Kershoff. She's a neurodevelopmental pediatrician and it's a five-minute video entitled this The Science Abortionists Don't Want You To Know. It's an excellent video because it looks at science in 1973 and it looks at science now and the and the advancements that have taken place. It's an excellent video and I, I just commend it to you. You can go there and download it. Or you can go there and look at it. And also some more on exegesis and eisegesis. If you uh, wanted to discover more about that. Remember the difference, exegesis is, what does the Bible say to me? I said, Jesus, I'm gonna read into the Bible. Um, there's a resource there. Also, two that are not mentioned there, number one, Red Pen Logic. Uh, I follow him, he's, he's an apologist. Um, you can go to YouTube um, and just search for Red Pen Logic and you will find Mr. B there, I quoted him this morning. And then lastly, right, I'm gonna give you a resource. Are you ready? Your Bible, that's it right there. That's the greatest resource that we can have. Amen. Amen. Will you stand? I'm just gonna lead us in prayer. And uh, I, would just, I would just ask us just to kind of open up our heart, to him and say, God, what are you saying to me today? I wanna to commit to you, I wanna to commit to your wisdom ways. Lead me and guide me. Maybe there's a place for us to go, God, I, I just change my behavior. Maybe that's it, I don't don't know. Values, maybe. Beliefs, God help me to be a a Christian that follows you and your word. May my beliefs be based on your inspired word. My values and my behavior be representative of you individually and as a church. Can we pray so, Father? Just pray right now. For all these things, God, we face so much in life, there's so much going on. We're not insulated, you've called us to be light. And I just pray, Lord, as we seek your wisdom, we seek your, your way, God, that you would speak into our lives that our beliefs and our values would be based upon your word and our behavior will be honoring of you. God, we give all of that to you so that your kingdom will be expanded in all ways, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I've got a friend
0: closer than a brother. There is no judgment. Oh, how he loves me. I've got a friend. He is my strength, he is my portion. With me in the valley with me in the fire, with me in the storm.